talk about the blood of Jesus. Can we do that? And uh, just from a little different angle today, where um, three things the blood of Jesus does for us. Uh, I just want to read this to begin with, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, where the Apostle Paul talks about uh, the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way. He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So I want to talk about the significance of Jesus' blood today. You don't hear a lot about that, but how many know the blood of Jesus is important? In fact, Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And so I was reminded as I was praying this morning that as uh, when Cain slew Abel, Abel's blood cried out from the ground, blood's alive. And God understands and recognizes that the Jewish folk the Israelites, um, they would eat nothing uh, that had blood in it when they killed the animal. Uh, they would make sure that they drained the blood from the body so there'd be no blood left in the tissues because they reverence the fact that blood contains life. And so blood is important. You know, I was thinking also uh, throughout my years of ministry since 1981, I've had many opportunities where you get to talking about the blood of Jesus and demon spirits get stirred up. I've been on the mission field in India, in Africa, in Siberia, in Central America. When you start talking about the blood of Jesus, demon spirits hate the blood. There's something about Jesus' blood that brings power. We used to sing the song, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And that's absolutely true. In fact, we have lots of hymns about the blood. Didn't you like our hymns today? They were awesome. Um, There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. The sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. That hymn by William Cowper, 1772. Or here's another one. Are you washed in the blood? The soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood? So, you know, the 21st century, we think about blood we think of blood as an unclean thing. You don't want somebody's blood and the pathogens that may be there on you. So, you know, you wear gloves and doctors and nurses wear gloves and you don't like to be around blood. We grimace when we see blood. You see blood oozing from a wound. See, you're looking at me right now like, yeah, blood. You know, years ago when it was popular to wear ties on Sunday, I used to flip my collar up, you know, and I just finished shaving and I'd flip my collar down after I tied my tie. I had a little dot of blood. Blood was inconvenient, right? So, you know, um, a few day, a few years ago, uh, all my family was home for Christmas. I ride bikes on the Noose River Trail. It had been misting uh, the morning after Christmas. I got on my bicycle, hairpin turn. I ditched my bicycle on the, on the, uh, on the trail and, uh, I mean, I took all the skin off my right knee and some parts of my leg, my left shoulder, and my thumb. I have scars to 
uh, show it. And when I got home, I was drenched in blood, and my whole face, you should have seen their face. I mean, blood's a, a gory sight. Uh, when I was dating Susan, all this comes to mind when I think about blood. I've told this story many times, but our second or third date, she's a trained medical lab technologist and had been doing that before I met her, and so she got called back to the hospital. She took my blood to type my blood, sat me on a stool, uh, and that was okay, but when I saw that blood come out of the centrifuge with the red and white uh, cells separate, I ditched, hit the floor and came to, <laughs> came to with Susan saying, Mitch, Mitch, we're smelling salts. I'm not making that second or third date. Really went, you know, nowhere but up from there, right? So, you know, that's just something about blood to us is gory. History has a lot to say about blood, uh, uh, belief systems about blood. Some, some uh, cultures believe blood gives life, strength. Um, for instance, uh, I was in, uh, I've been to Kenya many times. I've, I've been to the uh, Serengeti Plains. Masai Mara is an area there where you can go and, uh, and, and uh, you know, tour and look at the animals and all that, go on a safari. I was there and, and actually went to a village where the Masai tribe still lives. They're not warriors as they were years ago. There's much war and conflict among the varying tribes in Africa for a long, long time. <clears throat> but they told me they still drink goat blood and cow blood because they believe it makes them viral and gives them, I know, see, you look at your, if you could see your face, it's like drinking some blood. Yeah, it's pretty nasty, but that's what they believe. I don't think it's a healthy thing to do, but they, again, a belief system there that uh, strength and blood goes uh, hand in hand. First century, this is an interesting thing. First century, the gladiators would, uh, you know, do their thing in the Colosseums, and, and there was a lot of gore, a lot of blood, a lot of death, and uh, epileptics would come out of the crowds after the gladiators finished doing what they did and look for the blood on the ground and try to consume some of it with a belief system, it would cure their epileptic seizures. That's interesting, right? So there's a lot of strange beliefs about blood. Uh, blood covenants are well-known. Uh, blood brothers, you know, perhaps uh, some of you that are my age, we would cut our hands. So let's be blood brothers with our friends. So you'd either suck the other guy's blood off of his finger or drop some in, you know, in, in antiquity in Africa, particularly, they would, they would drop some drops of blood in a vial of some kind of liquid and drink it, both parties signifying a blood covenant uh, of which there is no revocation and uh, which was a very strong tie. So blood has a lot of meaning in history. You get the idea, right? And then uh, even this, you know, uh, if you're married, you've got a, a ring on your left finger, of your le uh, the, uh, the ring finger of your left hand, that ring finger uh, in England was called the leech finger. Leech meaning uh, it had to do with doctors. And the belief is uh, in antiquity was that there was a vein that went from the ring finger straight to the heart. And so you want to place that ring, the idea of covenant, right towards your heart. Get it? So there's a lot of, a lot of interesting things in uh, the world about blood. So I want to do a little different angle I've, uh, in my possession, I have it on my iPad along with many, many other books. I've got a, uh, actually two books. Into, one is entitled In His Image. Do you have that? Did you get that, Sean, where you can put that up? In His Image? Did you get it? Yes or no? He'll try to bring it up anyway. In His Image is a book by, there it is, 
by Dr. Paul Brand and Philip Yancey helped him write it. Dr. Paul Brand was a medical doctor who dedicated his life to lepers in India. And I've actually seen people with leprosy. It's a pitiful, pitiful disease. And he, uh, he dedicated his life in helping them. He's written two books. I encourage you to read that book. In his image, I'm going to quote from that book or talk about some things from that book today. He's got another book uh, along with them. It's a sequel called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, and again by Dr. Paul Brand. He died some years ago, but uh, just left a wealth of knowledge, and he was a wonderful man of God. And uh, he was a scientist, a medical doctor, scientist, uh, and hence he comes from the scientific uh, slant when it comes to what blood is and does. And so when you read the book, all kinds of chapters on the human body and all the various systems of the body and how intricately made we are. How many know we are fearfully and wonderfully made? So uh, just a few quotes from him that are quite interesting. So uh, blood does three things. Blood feeds, blood purifies, blood protects in the human body. So you might think blood is gory, but how many know uh, blood signifies life, not death? And when your blood leaves, your life is leaving. And that's the reason we have to be really careful. So, um, so there's a pipeline inside of our body that causes blood to happen. Uh, uh, let me see. Um, uh, 100 trillion cells make up the human body. Now, that's a little bit more than I count. 100, all, all 100 tri- trillion cells have to be fed on a regular basis. And guess what feeds those cells? Blood. There is a, there is a, a tapestry of uh, 60,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. Can you wrap your head around 60,000 miles? Well, when I travel, here's how I do it. When I travel to India, that's 10,000 miles or so, or Africa, 10,000 basically, roughly. 10,000, that's 10,000. The circumference of the earth is 25,000. So, so, so double that twice. Think about that's how many blood vessels you got in you. And then add 10,000, trip to India along with. That's 60,000 miles of blood vessels. They start out as big old highways, and then they go to single lane roads, and, and then they go to bicycle paths, and then they go to footpaths, and, and then they turn into little capillaries and and, and the capillaries are, this is incredible to think about. The capillaries are uh, a tenth of the size of a, of a piece of hair. Is that incredible? So there's no cell in your body that is not close to a capillary. Is this true, Sarah? Sarah's got a degree in microbiology. If I, if I say anything wrong, she'll straighten it all out. Or doctor over here, right? So... He taught biology, so a little biology lesson. So, so, so what does blood do? It goes to every blood vessel, to every cell of the body, and blood, blood feeds us. Is that good? Endless supply of oxygen, amino acids, nitrogen, sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, sugars, lipids, fats, cholesterols, hormones. They go to every cell of the body. They're either on those those blood cells are they're in the blood itself and they go through those capillaries and the, how many know they feed the body? So, so you know, if you've got a, uh, some writing like in your Bible, you've got a, a, the letter O in your Bible, J- just a drop of blood the size of the letter O has 5 million red blood cells in it, 300,000 
platelets, which cause blood to clot and keep it from leaving your body. And then, uh, and then uh, 7,000 white cells. And, you know, it's just incredible how we're made. So, so God's made our body so that our blood feeds us. Every time you breathe, every time your heart beats, your blood is going to every cell of your body and your blood is feeding your body. And the blood of Jesus feeds us the same way. How many hear what I just said? John 6, 53, Jesus said again, I'll tell you the truth, unless you eat the... Now, this is a little strange. If you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, can you imagine the eyebrows that raised up when He said that? You cannot have eternal life unless you do it. Uh, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Now, how many know he's not talking about cannibalism? No, he's not. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. And so, just like blood courses through our veins, it feeds every cell of our body. Jesus said, I feed you, and my blood will feed you. Now, you know, how many know he's the creator of the human body? Everything is by him and for him, and without him, nothing exists. So he actually is the creator of the human body. So when he told his disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in me, don't you think in his mind he's understanding your blood feeds you. Every cell of your body is alive because of blood. When you drink my blood, what does he say? You become alive with me. My life and my nature comes inside you. You imbib me and we're one together. John said it, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If ye abide in me and I abide in you, that blood represents life. And so when we receive communion, you know, it's typically representation of the fact that I've got the very life and nature of God in me. How many know when you come to Jesus, you're not the same anymore? Your insides change. Your DNA structure, so to speak, changes. And God amalgamates his life with ours. We have the very life and nature of God in us. In him was life, John said in John 1. And that life is the light of men. The nature of God. Say it out loud. The very nature of God. The very life of God exists inside of me by the person of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that awesome to think about? So when you take that juice today, don't forget, you've got the life of God in you. And you know what that life is doing? It's encouraging you to stay away from anything that attracts death. It's encouraging you to stay away from, from, uh, from uh, envy and strife. It's encouraging you to stay away from 
from uh, all of the things of the flesh that distract and hinder pride and everything else. And it's encouraging you to go after God with everything inside of you. You've got something beating away on the inside. And with every beat of your heart, your, even your blood is saying, staying, stay with Jesus. Stay with the things of God. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Stay away from the things that distract you and hinder you because that blood is speaking life inside of you all the time. How many hear what I'm saying? Secondly, blood cleanses. So um, uh, Phil, uh, Paul Brand in his book, he says, do a little test on yourself. Either get a, a, a blood pressure cuff or just get a tourniquet uh, tied around your arm and, and make sure you cut off the blood supply. When you do that, you know, you cut off the blood supply, you, you know, put the tourniquet on, what, 200 millimeters he mentions, and just cut the blood supply off and then get a pair of scissors and try to cut the piece of paper. Or get a hammer and try to hammer. Huh? Or just open your hand and close it like this. He says, by about the 10th try, you'll be grimacing in pain. Why? Because, because, uh, because they're metabolites that are as a result of, uh, of your cells burning energy. Waste products that go into the tissues of your body. And they've got to be released some way. And guess what your blood does? Every time your heart beats, your blood goes to every capillary of your physical body, and blood again does two things. It feeds every cell. Every cell opens up and says, I'm hungry, so it gives it all the nutrition that it needs. And at the same time, once it gives all the nutrition from the cell, every cell also receives burnt oxygen, carbon dioxide. It receives urea, uric acid. It goes into that cell. That cell goes into your kidneys and then it's extracted from the physical body. Blood is a purifier. And if your purifying system doesn't work right, how many know you're not going to live very long? Is that true? How many know the blood of Jesus cleanses us? Is that good news? So think about blood as being a cleanser. Do you ever think about your blood as feeding you every second of the day and your blood cleansing you throughout the day all day long? That's what the blood of Jesus does. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. Is that good news? From all sin. So just like your blood is cleansed by your kidneys and just as your blood cleanses every cell of your body so it can keep living and it can keep thriving and you can keep doing what God's called you to do every day. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us. You know, if your blood is not cleansed, how many know you'll get foggy really fast? You'll lose your equilibrium really, really fast. That's what happens. That's why people sometimes go on blood dialysis because their blood is unclean. It's impure. The impurities are increasing and it causes, uh, just causes a plethora of problems in the human body and you'll eventually die. And that's what sin does to us. How many know sin affects us? It blurs our vision. We can't think properly. We don't act properly. And how many know the only antidote for sin is the blood of Jesus? Again, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins. That word confess means to say the same thing, to agree. That is, if God says it's wrong, I say it's wrong. If God says I shouldn't be doing that, I say I shouldn't be doing that. If we confess, if we agree with God that what we've done is wrong, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then Hebrews 9, 12, not with the blood of bulls and goats. And here the writer of the book of Hebrews is contrasting the blood of animals with the blood of Jesus. Of course, you know the Old Testament, uh, they had animal sacrifices on a regular basis on the Day of Atonement. Uh, animals, blood was, uh, animals' blood was shed and the blood was placed on the mercy seat, which was the, the, the top of the Ark of the Covenant, which was, a, which was a, big, a big rectangular box overlaid with gold, and it was in the uh, tabernacle of, of uh, David and then the, in the temple after it was built in the Old Testament, and that's where the presence of God was. And they would actually place blood on the top of that, of that, of that box, which was called the mercy seat, and there were angels there and all that. But that blood represented life. And God gave the Israelites a covering of life for their sins. Jesus hadn't come yet. And blood covered their sins once a year. See, blood contains life. And that life in the blood atoned or covered their sins. And here the writer of the book of Hebrews contrasts the animal sacrifice with what Jesus uh, has done. And he says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer and sprinkling of the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, and he's talking about all those Old Testament sacrifices, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The blood of Jesus cleanses sin. How many also know, is it, pur know it purifies our conscience? On the inside, you become the righteousness of God in him. And when you confess your sin to the Lord, it's just as though you had never committed the act. It completely cleanses you. Is that good news? Thirdly, so blood, blood feeds, blood cleanses. Thirdly, blood protects. Now, inside of us and in our bloodstream, we have blood cells that are the ultimate defenders of the human body. And, um, and the white cells in the blood, there's a, there's a lot of technicality I dare not go into on a Sunday morning, but... There's all kinds of white, there's five different kinds of white blood cells, and then there are lymphocytes and all kinds of uh, cells, and the whole reason they exist, they're going through our bloodstream constantly. We've got 50 billion white blood cells, 25 billion that are running through the five to six quarts of blood in your human body, and they're constantly looking for intruders, constantly looking for viruses, bacteria, and agents that come from the outside to try to harm your physical body. And they're always looking. Some of them are flowing through the bloodstream. Others are attached to the blood vessels. And when there is an antigen, when there's an intruder, there's like Paul Revere says, duh, 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 and man, they go to work. And, uh, and they get to work and they start surrounding the enemy that's come into the physical body. And they start surrounding him, figuring out who he is. They go to the lymph glands and they say, we need some more help. They figure out who he is and they replicate and they surround the enemy and they run him out of the body. Aren't you glad that you have a tremendous army on the inside of you? 
Some of these cells are like, uh, are like Black Hawk helicopters. Others are like tanks. Others are like sentries and snipers. And boy, they're after all of those negative things. While you're sitting here listening to me, your body's constantly watching, ever on guard against enemies that are trying to intrude and hinder health. How many know it's true? In fact, doctors, they look for white blood cell. If your white blood cell count is high, it tells them that there's an evil element inside trying to harm you. Is that right? So if the white blood cell count is elevated, and then not only do you have 50 billion white blood cells, but, but when the signal goes off and an intruder's entered, it, that goes to 10 times, 500 billion. It, I mean, they just come on the scene, and they seek to run the enemy out. But y'all, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know about you, but if on a molecular, think about this. If on a molecular level, God has so designed us for our bodies to be healthy, for our bodies to resist negative influence that want to harm our health, and our bodies are already set up and made up, we have defenses that we don't even think about. Isn't that awesome? The blood of Jesus is a tremendous Defense. How many hear what I'm saying? I think it's just absolutely awesome. Revelation 12, 11, they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. I mean, every single day of my life, I talk to the Lord about the blood of Jesus. So if you think about your body and think about the way that God made your systems and how God made your blood even to defend Elements that would come in to harm your health. How much more do you think he's prepared you spiritually for the battles that we face? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age. Don't discount the blood of Jesus. In my prayer life, you've heard me say this many times, every single day, I... I use an old Pentecostal phrase, I plead the blood of Jesus. You don't find that in the Bible. But if you look the, up the etymology or the origin of the phrase, plead the blood of Jesus, what you're saying is, Lord, I take all of the rights and privileges I inherited as being a believer in Christ Jesus. All that Jesus did for me when he died for me, when he went to hell for me, when he paid my sin debt for me, when he was raised from the dead, when he conquered Satan in his own territory and rendered him harmless and ineffective against me. And when Jesus stood there on the Mount of Olives before he ascended and said, all authority is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth, go ye. He gave that authority to me. So a way to say that without saying all of that is to say, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus. You're saying the same thing. How many get it? Now, years ago, years ago, uh, I had an auto accident after a prayer meeting. This is 1995. I think this was August of 1995. We had prayer meetings in the morning. It was a Tuesday morning. The prayer meeting started at 6, ends at 7. I leave that small uh, church on Garner Road where Victory Church started. I go back to Nightdale down uh, Auburn, Nightdale Road. I, I got to Rock Quarry Road. There was a stop sign there, a uh, two-way stop. The other road, Rock Quarry went. They didn't have to stop. I stopped. I looked both ways. I didn't see a car. Went into the intersection. And y'all... 
a brand new Cadillac hit my van and took the front of it off. One second difference could have been the difference really between life and death for either me or the person that drove the car. First time I saw the driver of the car, the car had already hit me, and the lady was looking back to see what hit her with a cup of coffee in her hand. And man, it tore her car up totally. So, you know, after that, I called home, and I asked my parents, I said, uh, well, I just let you know, I wrecked my car. It's kind of total. It's pretty bad shape. Uh, total the other car. Mine's not total, but I can get the front of it repaired, yada, yada. I said, well, my mother said, well, Mitch, I, I tell you something, your father, now, my father uh, was a good Baptist believer, never was baptized with the Holy Spirit all of his life, but he didn't deny that mother and I had received something like that, and that I'm a spirit-filled believer and such. But uh, my mother said the Monday before I had that accident, that Monday night, all day Monday, he, she said he woke up, and she said that he had had a dream, and he sat up in the bed, and so he called my mother, her name's Jeanette, he called her Jenny, he said, um, Jenny had a bad dream about Mitch. Somebody walked up to me in my dream and said, Mitch is dead. And she said, it bothers me. And she said, my father prayed for me all day long. Every time he thought about me, he, he prayed for me. And then that night I woke up every hour on the hour. The rest is history. Uh, all, nobody was hurt in the accident, but it could have been different. Every since that occasion... August 1995, every morning when I get up, I, I did it this morning. Um, I, you've heard me say this umpteen times. I mention every family member's name. Father, right now, I plead the blood of Jesus or I'm exercising my rights and privileges and authority in Christ over Jonathan, Sarah, Jessica, Lindsay, Susan, me, Jeff, Michael, Christelle, Kelton, Loic, Sadie, Maela, Gabriella, uh, my mother and the little baby in Jessica's womb is going to be born in July in Jesus' name. And you're crazy if you don't do something like that. How many hear me? There is an enemy that's arrayed against you. And if our physical bodies have to ward off attacks on a daily basis, you know, you have attacks that, that happen in your physical body that you never know about. I mean, they tell us most everybody's got cancer cells just running all around. But guess what? Those white cells are running them off. They're routing them out. They're hunting them down. Spiritually speaking, the blood of Jesus protects us. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I can't encourage you enough. Take advantage of the blood of Jesus in your life. And thank God for his supernatural protection over you, over your family, regardless of whether it's from the ridiculously crazy Raleigh traffic or whether it's tornadoes or bad storms or whatever you may face in your life. How many know the blood of Jesus can protect you and does? Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I'm going to read this because I like it. Romans 8.31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting 
in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destituted or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. What's he saying? You may have trouble. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't even mean that you're not in the will of God if you have trouble. Trouble comes because we live on a planet where Satan is loose, right? That's what the scripture says. And I'm convinced he ends that, this by saying that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor our fears today, our worries about tomorrow, not Even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two other scripture, Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person faces many troubles but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Is that good news? So if you think about your your human body and how God designed it, and you think about your blood system, your circulatory system, and you think about the wonderful things that God placed in just a drop of your blood to keep you safe and to keep you from the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy and cause ill health. If he's done that on a molecular level, how much more has Jesus done that on a spiritual level? Is that good news? My goodness. So Jesus' blood feeds us, it purifies us, and it protects us. So again, to end just where I started, for if, uh, and now I want my ushers, if you have, do not have a little vial of uh, juice and the bread on top, lift your hand. We want to make sure everybody, we're going to receive communion right now. Lift your hand. We've got one on the front row up here. So ushers, come on down. Keep your hand up if you don't have a communion cup. And there you go. Just keep your hand up, and I'll read 1 Corinthians 11. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. In fact, let me just go to my Bible real quickly here, because there's something else I want to read. Here we are. And so he says here, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, 
we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we're being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Isn't that good word? So communion times are really a self-examination time where we say, God, you know, it's supposed to be that everything I am belongs to you. And it's a time to, you know, just examine your motives, examine your life. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Is there something that you're doing that's hindering your relationship with the Lord? You know, David said, oh, I'm sorry, Isaiah said, Isaiah 66, 18, if I regard iniquity, sin, in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so that's the reason we need to keep short accounts with the Lord. If there's a habit, if there's something you keep falling into, if there's a trap you keep falling in that your flesh creates or the enemy creates or other people create, and there are habits that displease the Lord. Communion times is time to say, God, I surrender that again to you. And I'm asking you to help me with that area of my life. I confess that before your throne. How many understand that's important? That's why communion is a cleansing time. It feeds us purifies us. God protects us by the blood of Jesus.